and welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. This week we're going to be talking about the Feast of the Visitation and just kind of what, what the Visitation can teach us as women. And we know that the visitation happened um, a bit prior to this episode releasing. <laughs> well, a couple 2,000 years ago. Touche. Touche. We did it the feast last week. Yeah. Gosh, Stacy. <laughs> but <laughs> you can tell which one's the smart Alex. But. Uh, it's true. I, I and we love her it. for it. But, um, but yeah, like Stacy said, it is something that we can reflect on. And, um, you know, it's one of the, what is it, is it the joyful, one of the joyful mysteries? Mm-hmm. One of the joyful mysteries. And so it's really something, you know, you can reflect on anytime you pray the rosary or just anytime you're reading scripture or you're just sitting down. So, so for those that aren't sure about what the visitation is about, the visitation is... Um, after the, you know, so we have the Annunciation where the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and tells her that she's going to have Jesus. And then later, but during that time, he also tells her that her cousin Elizabeth is pregnant. So after she find, you know, after the Annunciation, she ends up going and to Elizabeth, her cousin, and um, to kind of help her out because she finds out that she's pregnant and she wants to go help. And so, um, and while there, she is coming up the walk and Elizabeth sees her and she, the John the Baptist inside the womb of Elizabeth jumps for joy. And um, Elizabeth says her famous saying about blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb because the baby in my womb just jumped for joy knowing that my Lord is here. Mm-hmm. And so I, I paraphrased a bit, but I guess that's what we do when, when we translate <laughs> the Bible too occasionally. <laughs> so, but um, so what does this encounter teach us as women? Like what, what can we learn from this? Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I think about the visitation, um, for me, like, my first fixation is always on that Mary finds out she's pregnant and then it's like she makes makes haste or whatever it is that however they put it uh, and goes to visit Elizabeth and I'm like when I'm in my first trimester there's no way I want to be like going and traveling but that's what Mary does she goes and she not just like like goes to just be like hey Elizabeth guess what I'm pregnant but to go to help take care of her, her, um, her cousin, like, you know, she finds out that she, you know, like, you would think, oh, well, their cousins, they should, she, she should have heard about this already. But, you know, it's, you know, always, I have to think about through that and like that, you know, they did, the communication was a little different. Well, and they didn't <laughs> um, live near each other. Right. Like, did it, where does it say, does it tell us where Elizabeth was? I want to say Judea. Yeah, because she goes up to, like, Judea from Nazareth. Something that it's so important for, I know, for me to be really remembering, like, it's not about me. 
Like, when I'm, you know, I'm so tempted all the time to be, like, keeping in my own little, like, bubble of, well, you know, I'm uh, going through this right now, or this is hard, or this is, you know, this special thing that happened to me, and not always thinking about the, um, the beauty of, you know, or what other, you know, what other people's needs are, and, um, like, it just... So for like for what I'm thinking of through uh, the the act that Mary does in this like this um, you know her her constantly showing these different things of like of her self giving nature. But while Annie was talking, I did look up how far um, she was going to have to travel, and it disappeared. But it was like eighty eight point four miles. Mm-hmm. That, like it really wasn't like going across town to like take mm-hmm. care of her cousin. She because back then they didn't have planes or cars, mm-hmm. so like eighty eight point <laughs> four miles while you're pregnant in your first mm-hmm. trimester, mm-hmm. throwing up, being tired all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. that was not a fun trip. Would she have been throwing up? That one though? of those. I was gonna say is that one of those um uh, those. Person of Eve thing, like mm-hmm. we could marry. You know, she didn't. She didn't go through that. Or <laughs> I kind of wonder. I kind of wonder. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But well, I mean, she, she was. She probably. I mean, there were still the changes in hormones, the changes in body that that, that all you know that all um, is experienced, and um, you know. But that we go back to this great, like the terms of feminine genius of it, and. A big difference, you know, big thing about about women versus men thing is that the women symbolize the re, like receptivity within the Trinity, and that received me because I mean that's what we kind of kind of do um, in uh, the marital act and all that other stuff mm-hmm. is we receive. Um, mm-hmm. But with you know when we're talking about those with where she is going to, you know, first she you know receives this message from the Holy Spirit. Or not the Holy Spirit. This this message from the angel, and then the and then the child through the Holy Spirit. But then in going to Elizabeth, um, she married. Then after um, after Elizabeth greets her, that's when we get her like her fiat. Um, well, her magnificat. She, yeah, that's like her magnificat. Yeah, her fiat was before. Yeah. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the Annunciation, we get our fiat. At the um, at the visitation, we get the Magnificat, where she's. It's just like such. Like, like my favorite line in the Magnificat, though, is the um, that is that for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and I don't remember what it was for uh, they were pointing out, but like of all people, Mary has like so much to boast about, you know, because, like, she was, is the chosen one of God to be the, you know, to carry, to be the, to be the new ark, mm-hmm. um, to be a tabernacle with a, her own body, like, which we are all called to do with receiving the Eucharist, but rather than saying, I'm so gracious, the Lord has done great things for me, and there, that's no boasting, that's just fact, mm-hmm. and when I, I've been, 
one of the things that I did that if anybody has uh, we've talked about being um, magnify 90 on here before if anybody else has um, done that one of the one of the commitments is to to pray the Magnificat daily and I also have done that through continued that through um, when uh, my husband and I pray morning and evening prayer together and that one is uh, one of those um, <laughs> um, but I try to have it because like it's not just me repeating Mary's prayer but trying to make that my own prayer mm-hmm. and that um, and, and that line always stands out for me it's like even when I'm you know frustrated with life or things that are going on but like that for he you know but the Lord has done great things for me and just that reminder that like all you know no matter what's going on whether it's like good stuff going on in my life and I'm like oh yeah everything's going great it's not me it's God doing these great things for me mm-hmm. well I mean um, even when things are going yeah. like yeah even when things are going difficult it's like you know God is still right. doing great things for me I might not see it right now I might not feel it right now but I have my life. I have his love. I have the church, right? And, like, so at the very base, like, you have all of that showing God's love for you, and those are great things for you. And then God is working through those difficult times to do great things for you, even if you can't see it in that moment. And it's really hard to see him in those moments. It really is, especially if it's incredibly difficult difficult times. But he is always working. And I think that's a beautiful reminder. Now, I think that I have spent many a time, you know, praying the rosary and praying the joyful mysteries and thinking about the visitation. And there have been times when I'm, you know, I don't know if I can think of any off the top of my head, but when I've been praying them and I'm like, you know, it's almost like God speaks to me in that prayer. Like, you know, look at this beautiful aspect of the visitation and what this means for Mary and for Jesus and for your life and, you know, how what he's calling you to do. Um, I mean, I think part of it is, you know, the, that selflessness, because I tend to be a very selfish person by, (laughs) by all accounts, I'm a very selfish person and God has really worked in me and through many difficult trials and just kind of pushing me and showing me how selfish I am to be, to, to, to have more generosity and kindness and charitability Um, and any that I have, you know, learned like in any way that I have learned to be more of those things, it's not like Mary, like, it's not something that I can boast about because God has done it through me. Like, you know, scripture tells us like, you know, we are not to, we have no room to boast, right? Because, because any of the yeses that I say to God is by God's grace, Right. Like God, by me, by me having a fiat, by my fiat to God, like that is because God has given me the grace to trust in him enough to say that. Yes. And so everything is a gift from God. But anyways, just like I I, I love that. I love that she went to go and visit Mary or visit Elizabeth. And I think that there probably was some um, like I, I think about it and I wonder if there was some kind of not a selfish reason to go, but like this excitement that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the angel Gabriel told her that, you know, her cousin was called barren, but now she's bearing a son. And that's, that's exciting because like now that she's, you know, received this gift from the Lord and the person of Jesus that she has just conceived, 
she gets to go and talk to her cousin who has, you know, by all accounts, miraculously conceived her child. Obviously, not a virgin birth, but, you know, she was barren before and she's in her old age. And Mm -hmm. no one thought that she was going to, you know, be able to ever have children. She didn't think she would ever have children. You know, her and her was that her husband doubted so much that she wouldn't have a child, right? That he, God made him mute. And so, you know, she has this reason to be excited that like, oh, you know, my, my cousin is going to kind of understand maybe like this is somebody to relate to, you know, like, and I love that God put that in her life and in Elizabeth's life that they were able to, I think, you know, have that kind of common ground of like God working in this beautiful way to have them bear children when, you know, Elizabeth hadn't been able to, and by all accounts and human standards, Mary should not have, <laughs> you know, um, cause she had not, you know, known man, but, um, yeah, I just, I just love that God gave them that. I love that God gave them that grace. I know I got away from that generosity a bit, like talking about that, um, bringing that up, but I just refl- try to reflect back on things that I thought about with regard to the visitation. You know, I think that it's, it's, it's God often, he doesn't make us to, um, like our relationship with him is very personal, but it's not meant to be private. Um, like we are meant to share it and share in other people's faith. And it's supposed to be a communal thing. We're not meant to do it alone. And so I think that in, in the way that, you know, God gave Elizabeth and Mary this kind of common ground to come together and adore Christ, adore God and worship him and, you know, give gratitude to God. Like we can do the same thing with other women that we find or other people that we find that, you know, like we have this common ground of, you know, like God has done these amazing things for me in my life. And I want to share that with you. And I want to share in what he has done through you or for you. Uh, And to kind of piggyback off of that, not only, not only were they sharing this, but they also were lifting each other up. I mean, how many times nowadays do, as in, you know, Somebody who's older get pregnant and like, oh, aren't you too old to be having a baby? Mm-hmm. Or like, or an unwed mother. And like, oh, well, we don't want, you know, how, why are we always bashing, you know, putting each other down? Not bashing each other, but, you know, put, putting each other down. But here, neither of them say either of those things. They're just mm-hmm. joyful for each other. And, that you know, they're, you know, helping each other and... And loving each other. Mm-hmm. There's no, there, there's no like put down or oh, honey, or what were you thinking? You know, like, you know j- just the whole oh, this is this is joyful. This mm-hmm. is a child that you're going to be bringing into the world, and let me help you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I think also because like the focus was on God, it mm-hmm. wasn't on themselves or their circumstances or whatever. It was a recognition that God did this beautiful thing for mm-hmm. them. When um, I was dealing with kids, speaking of children, I was dealing with kids. So um, there was something I wanted to say that I want to go back to um, when I talked about Mary being, you know, probably a little physically ill and going, oh, did she? Yes, it was a um, burden put on to us by Eve. But just like Christ suffered in his full humanity, full humanity with us, so did his mother. So she would have experienced the same pains and suffering that we do when we are pregnant as well. And so we, you know, she still would have been sick 
and would have been throwing up and being, you know, it, it wouldn't be, she, she didn't get, just because she's preserved of sin from God doesn't mean she got a pass free. Now, whether or not like childbearing itself, I, I would assume so because that's how she relates to us as women too. She knows the pain that we've been in. She knows the pain of and the suffering of carrying a child, even though it's beautiful. It's beautiful. You know, bringing a child into the world is beautiful, but there is like pain and suffering because, mm-hmm. you know, like you, we talked about earlier, the hormones and everything mm-hmm. else. The, well, I guess the only thing that really, um, like the, what is it like in Genesis when God tells Eve, like, you know, because you did this, you were going to have pain in childbirth. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really talk about, I guess, like, you know, like the morning sickness and all that kind of stuff or whatever. It was just that. And that is what the church kind of says is that, you know, she didn't marry, didn't experience pain in labor. But, yeah, maybe she did experience. Oh, does the church teach sure that? Official, I don't think there's an official. Oh, really? I think mean, there's different theological views of it. I'm not sure if. I'm, not, I'm really not sure. It's something I could look up real quick. Yeah, I'd have to look it I'm up. I'm not sure if there's, yeah. Yeah, I don't think there is. I think there's, that's one of those things where some people are like, yeah, the church has an official view of this. This is what it is. And other people are say the opposite. It's just mm-hmm. like, there's not. We need to look this up and then, that. we need to look this up and then just like put it in the notes. Be like, we looked it up. This is what it says. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really curious now. Like, I'm, I'm, I thought that's what I heard, but. Um, because yeah. I mean, Jesus fully experienced everything, even though he was without sin, mm-hmm. and so I, you know, it would it would only seemed appropriate that his mother also experienced those things, and she was human, like fully mm-hmm. human, no, uh, no divinity there. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, just, she wasn't. And so I, mean, she was saved by his, his grace and sinless, but she, mm-hmm. you know, but I just think that when. You think about how far she journeyed, 80 to 100 miles, to just see her cousin and to help her cousin. Because, I mean, Elizabeth was in her sixth month, and anybody who has been, you know, pre- you know pregnant knows that's about time you get tired again. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's elderly. And mm-hmm. so, you know, she, they're both in these states of tiredness, and but they're still joyfully serving, you know, Mary is still joyfully serving her cousin, and then she went there to help because, I mean, Zachariah is just as old as Elizabeth. He's not going to be helping around the house as much either. So that's what Mary went to do is to help prepare for mm-hmm. John's coming. And even though she was tired, even though she was, you know, and she's mm-hmm. journeyed a long way to do that. I think that it's important to remember that because, like, as women, I think it, we get, when I think about, like, when my second child was born, my first child was born everybody came to help like there like I had too much help if that makes any sense like everybody was here I had sometimes <laughs> I had people overlapping like when they took off and then when my second child came nobody came my husband didn't even take off work after he was born like and so it's like mm-hmm. and I and so it's just kind of which totally it isn't necessarily something to say with my husband but like maybe more on paternity leave in America, but (laughs) (laughs) that's another episode. Yeah. That's totally a different thing. But like the whole, the the whole thing about like, you know, going, making sure that we see where there's a need and helping those that we, that are in our vicinity with those needs, if that Mm -hmm. makes any sense. I mean, has I ended up having probably the most severe, I, 
postpartum depression with that child. And, and I, I didn't have any help. And I had a 15-month-old at, at home this time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when I didn't have another kid to take care of with the first one. But And um, I was open with that. So, like, a lot of my friends, when our next child came, like, I had a lot more help after that. But I just think that's one of those things that um, – we need to be more in tune with that, you know, mm-hmm. not just with childbirth, but just like things like mm-hmm. somebody has a loss in their family. Okay. Yeah. Everybody's going to come right after that loss and say, Hey, I'm so sorry for you. Is there something they're going to bring food and they're going to do all these things for you. But what about that year anniversary or that five year anniversary or, you know, it kind of, you're still grieving and, but nobody seems to acknowledge that grief that makes any sense mm-hmm. and so like i think there's other like aspects in our life where we just have you know touch with your friends and family and those in, in your circle and see where those needs are maybe trying like mary to fill those needs for them mm-hmm. and maybe it doesn't have to be something elaborate like traveling 80 100 miles and you know and cleaning mm-hmm. their whole house for them and doing meals for them but like just how are you doing? Is, yeah. is everything okay? And giving them a phone call and just checking up with them around yeah. those types of things. Or, yeah. You know. Yeah. As Mr. Big Wall says, see a need, fill a need. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows what I'm referring to. Robots. But, um, <laughs> but no, like, and I mean, I think that is important. Like, I know that there have been in, in my past and like, even now sometimes, like, I never, I, I always told people, you know, like, well, if you, you know, if you need anything, let me know. Right. And that's a nice thing to say it really. And like, you're thinking of that person. That's nice. I've been learning how to just do it. <laughs> and like, I hope I don't step on any toes and stuff when I do it. Sometimes I'm a little like, oh, you know, should I, should I do this right now? But like just doing it and saying, hey, I'm bringing you dinner tonight. Like, this is it. Because I think a lot of people, including myself, like, I don't I don't want to say yes to somebody because I feel like I'm burdening them, mm-hmm. or, you know? Um, and so, and sometimes it's just a matter of vulnerability. Like, I don't want to be that vulnerable to say that, like, I need that kind of help. You know, I have that pride in me. And I think a lot of people are like that. Um, and I mean, like, you know, you, you said, like, you know, you know, if something happens, people are always there to do that kind of stuff. But I think for a lot of people, they haven't experienced that. Mm-hmm. So, like, for instance, like, um, you know, recently um, somebody, uh, my husband's friends with him and his wife, um, they uh, experienced a miscarriage. And, you know, it was like, you know, we talked, my husband and I talked about it and we we're like, you know, let's go ahead and make him dinner and we'll bring it over just to get, give her a night off, give him a night off so they can just focus on grieving and all of that. And, um, you know, he refused. My husband went to him and said, hey, you know, we're going to make you dinner. He refused. And over the course of the next couple of days, my husband, you know, they talked about it more and stuff and they were going through the grieving process. And finally he was just like, just let us do it. He was like, let us, let us do this for you. We want to do this for you. Like if you are, if you absolutely do not want it, that's fine. But you know, like we would absolutely love to do this. It's a, it's an honor for us to do it. Can you please allow us to do this for you? Cause it would, you know, it would just be a beautiful thing for us to, for you to allow us to do. And so he finally agreed. We, my, I made the dinner and, and my husband brought it to him. And a couple days later he went up to him and told him, you know, that nobody had ever done that before. Nobody had ever made them a meal before um, when anything had happened. 
And so, you know, he found that to be quite beautiful. And so now he wants to do that for other people, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think that's that's something that I've learned is that, you know, you don't. I think there's there's like you're talking about, there's so much need out there just for a helping hand for compassion. Um, and even if you can't do it, like there have been times when I've, you know, some, something has happened in somebody's life, like a loved one or something. And I you know, I'm not able to go out and buy the things to give to them or to make the food because I just, you know, it's, you know, I've run out and it's not that grocery time yet and stuff. And there have been times that I've let that pass and just been like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I haven't done anything else. And then I look back and I feel really bad about it. And I'm like, oh, I should have, you know, done something. I can, you know, write a note and just say, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss or you know, I'm here for you or something like that, just, you know, and just mail it to them or bring it to them or something like that. Like, those are the things that I think of later on. And I'm like, oh, I want to do those things more. And I'm trying to do them. I'm just not the best at that. But just to let somebody know, because I think people, people think like, oh, well, they know that I love them or they know that I care. or I told them, let them, you know, let me know if you need anything. So they know that I'm thinking about them. But I think when you're in the, the thick of difficult times, or even a joyous times or whatever. It's just nice to have that connection, you know. Mm. I was just thinking about how, um, you know, while you were speaking about the meals, I was like, well, sometimes financially maybe I'm not in that spot where I can mm-hmm. buy the things. Or, um, But, you know, one of the things that I had a friend do is um, she came over once and just to hang out with me, and she folded my laundry mm-hmm. while we talked. And I just I was like, okay. And, but another thing is, like, you can have a mask set for somebody. Um, we've had people, uh, you know, from that aren't local have things happen, and we've had masses set for them. And, um, you know, like you said, you, when you, that's what popped in my head when you said I could write a note because um, we've had masses set for us, too, for things. Um, and one of the things that um, they did was they sent us a card that said on this day mass is going to be said for you and your family and or for the special or for the specific intention and you know that meant a lot to us I mean they couldn't physically be there with us doing something but the fact that they were trying to do what they could where they were and in the situation that they were in still mm-hmm. meant a lot Um so I, I, don't know, I was just thinking about that when you said some of those mm-hmm. suggestions that you said. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, too, like doing those things in with in mind that like this is what I want to do for this person out of love for them and out of love for God, ultimately to show them that God loves them, you know, allowing God to work through you with that. Because, you know, doing doing things on your own and doing things like for somebody is always a good thing. But I think when you can bring God into it and, you know, maybe do those things with a prayer, like I'm doing this for them, Lord, bless them with what you have for them, with with what you know they need, you know, bring them to yourself so they can have that peace, so they can have that joy. So, you know, you could just be in the presence with them, like you bring God into it and so much more good can come than just that meal and just that comfort that comes with it, which again is good in and of itself, but God can make it infinitely more good. Well, and I think it also teaches us, like we were talking about earlier, Annie, about, you know, giving giving all glory to God, mm-hmm. that this is, you know, whether you are helping somebody else, whether you are graciously receiving help from somebody else, like always giving that to God and saying, you know, like, thank you, God, for the opportunity to help this other person. Please bless them. 
thank you, God, for this person wanting to help me, help me to put down my pride and my, you know, my not wanting to be vulnerable in this moment or whatever the case may be and accept this health graciously because you provide, you know, mm-hmm. like it's that. You know, I think we said it before, like that whole saying where, you know, somebody's drowning, they ask God for help, a boat, boat comes and they say, no, you know, God's got me or whatever. Like some, and it's kind of like Gets that. Heaven. What? Yeah. I tell me, God, I said a boat, a helicopter. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah exactly. I said all these things that yeah. help you. And so, and it doesn't, so, I mean, it can, I think the help doesn't always come in the way that we want it to come. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always come in the way that we expect it to come. Right. But God does provide for us most of the time, I think, in ways that we don't expect. And so, and I think that that does teach us how to humble ourselves and how to, how to put that pride aside so that we can allow ourselves to be vulnerable um, with other people and, and accept that help. And then again, give glory to God. Always say thank you to God. And I know that there have been times in my life that, you know, good things have happened and I'm looking at it and I'm looking at it more from, I guess, a worldly perspective and going, well, like, you know, well, you know, these good things came about because of A, B, and C. How did God play a role in that? But God has this way of working behind the scenes and in people's hearts and through the difficult moments that we can't see. And he's, I don't know, he's just always there. They're working for our good. And I think we've talked before, and I'm going to quote one of your favorite saints, Alicia, um, about we don't always have to do the grand things, you know, the big, huge things, but we can, as uh, Mother Teresa says, you know, small things with great love. So, you know, the, like what you're just talking about, like it doesn't matter how big of a gesture it is, as long as that love that, that God, you know, God, because God is love, that God is present in the, in the act or in the thought or in the prayer or in the actions. Mm-hmm. And which goes right back to what Annie was talking about. I, I kind of hear from across the house, but, but the Magnificat with, you know, God has done great things for me. And so, you know, just having that focus on God and whatever type of situation where you're trying to help somebody or bring that love to somebody or basically the visitation teaches us how to be Christ to others. Mm-hmm. And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Join us again in two weeks. Until then, may God bless you and may Mary accompany you. Coffee and Catholics is a proud partner of the Smart Catholics Podcast Network. Find new shows to love, meet like-minded Catholics, and join the community at smartcatholics.com.